live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios. This is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. How about that? He probably said something like that <laughs> last night, given the election results. 8.13 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Greg Pancake Hill producing the program. Vince Vetrano here with you alongside Eric Bilstead. We take you up till 9 o'clock, and then it's Steve Scafidi. And we are on the Wednesday after the spring general election 2023. That is in the books. Jazz as hell. That was former Governor Tony Evers last time around as he celebrated his win. And you have... Uh, the liberal part of the state, again, celebrating this morning as there was an absolute boat race in the state Supreme Court election. Yep, yep. Are we still saying 12 points? I have not uh, I have not seen the updated numbers, but it's at least 10 points that mm-hmm. separate former Justice Dan Kelly from the uh, <clears throat> Milwaukee County Judge uh, Janet Protasiewicz here, the, both the candidates for state Supreme Court. So it looks like a 56-44 in terms of percentage margin of victory for Judge Protosewitz. I said there are a couple of things that are extraordinary to me about the race that was waged and then J- former Justice Kelly's comments in the wake of his loss. Now, just to be clear, he did acknowledge that the voters have spoken. He is not challenging the result or... Uh, not not conceding or anything mm-hmm. of that nature. But he also, you know, very often, sometimes a candidate who loses will say, well, you know, I think I should have won or, or whatever else. But he took occasion to just rip Janet Protasiewicz, who is going to have a seat on the state Supreme Court. Yeah, said he couldn't, he, he wished he could concede to a, an, uh, an opponent he could respect or something like a, that. A worthy I'm opponent. A worthy opponent, yeah. But I don't have one in this case, he said. Here, I'll play that. I want to play from you uh, a number of things that former Justice Kelly said in his, I guess, quote-unquote concession speech last night. And then just get your reaction. Here's, uh, Here's the one that you were talking about, Eric. And it brings me no joy to say this. I wish that in a circumstance like this, I would be able to concede to a worthy opponent. But I do not have a worthy opponent to which I can concede. This was the most deeply deceitful, dishonorable, despicable campaign I have ever seen run for the courts. Didn't stop there. It went on. And extraordinary to me because, and let's take former President Trump out of it because he broke the mold on all of this stuff. So I, I don't want to debate, you know, how he has conceded or not conceded. Someone said, well, did did Trump call Biden when he won? Well, he, he still says he won. So yeah, no, I, he, I don't know. That he there still hasn't really conceded. A, I don't know that there was a phone call or anything like that. But typically what you see is you may take a few shots there on your last last chance on the stage following a hard fought campaign. But I have not seen maybe it's happened, but I've not seen again outside former President Trump anyone just continue to eviscerate their opponent to whom they just lost. My opponent is a serial liar. She's disregarded judicial ethics. She's demeaned the judiciary with her behavior. And this is the future that we have to look forward to in Wisconsin. And still more, Eric. 
You right, want, going. You you want one going. more? Yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, I'll sure. give you one more. Again, former Justice Dan Kelly in his concession speech last night, having lost by double digits to Janet Protasiewicz. So I respect the decision that the people of Wisconsin have made. But I think this does not end well. Now, as I look forward, I hope, I hope it does end well. This has been a beautiful, beautiful life here in Wisconsin with all of you. And I wish Wisconsin the best of luck, because I think it's going to need it. Thank you. So, in his own words, former Justice Dan Kelly, in his concession speech last night, again, it will be Judge Janet Protasiewicz who will ascend to the high court Coming up, I think that's this summer when that actually all plays out. You know, right? that that was one of those, if you were to expect to win and lose a close nail-bite type of race, then I could see that type of speech last night. But that one you had to think about for a while, right? I mean, because the writing was on the wall. I think there was many who, observers who expected the outcome that we saw last night. So he had to know that this was a possibility. So he thought about this. He thought about it before going up there and saying those things. So I wonder, I mean, here's the thing. He did feel, and I, I kind of have mixed feelings on it. That, that would not have been my style. I just think even at least publicly, you come out, even if you don't want to say my opponent ran a great race, then don't say anything about your opponent, right? Like, and this is me talking. If I, if it were me, I just wouldn't say anything about my opponent. Sure. But thank and he did. He thank graciously thanked his supporters. Said they were they were the energy in the campaign yeah. and all sorts of nice things to say about it. And, and then you do that, and maybe you just don't mention your opponent or say I called her earlier and congratulate her. She's going to be. This is what the people wanted. Out. So that would have been my way, but. I know there are supporters of former Justice Kelly who are going to say and, and agree with him that Judge Protasiewicz ran a dirty campaign, that it was full of lies, it was full of deceit, that she wasn't honest, that she, more than any candidate for the high court that I've seen and covered, telegraphed which way she was going to vote in, or which way she was going to rule in things that will come before the high court, much to the chagrin of judicial conservatives. And so he feels like this was wrong, that I, I got beat by someone who was dishonest. And so I don't know what voters want to hear from that. Maybe they do want to hear like, all right, this is you. You got it. I acknowledge that. But this is what you get. I feel it isn't amazing where we're at now where we saw taunting after the end of an NCAA championship game on Sunday. And now we hear a concession like the one we've heard last night. The two things aren't aren't tied together at all, but just the, this idea of like, what's, what's more where our behavior is turning toward. Like the only thing we did not see last night was judge Protasiewicz drive up to Green Lake County and do the, you can't see me put her hand in front of her face and point <laughs> like at her saw. ring and follow him around. Like an actual taunting. <laughs> yes. Like walking around actually before he walked up on and, and conceded and pointed at a ring. <laughs> like that's the only thing we didn't see last night. It seems like this is where we're at now. Like that, those are the types of behavior modifications that we accept when we win and lose different things. Eight five five six one six one six twenty is the old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank get old. A lot of people texting in. The majority of the text is suggesting that uh, former Justice Kelly is just being a sore loser. I wonder if I would hear from any of his supporters 
that might also agree that that's not the message they wanted to hear or if they heard exactly what they wanted to hear. 855-616-1620. on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight twenty four on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eric Bilstead, Vince Vetrano here with you. We're talking about the extraordinary concession speech from former Justice Dan Kelly, lost by double digits to Janet Protasiewicz in the race for state Supreme Court, and uh, went on a couple of minutes where he just ripped her. And some folks are fine with it. Other folks, they don't like it. I do like this. this laid out plainly for us. We could have the rule of law or the rule of Janet. And the people of Wisconsin have chosen the rule of Janet. Well, he is right about that. I mean, this was uh, not a close race. And so that's what people decided that they wanted. Uh, I like this text, though, on the Old National Bank talking text line, 855-616-1620. Old National Bank, get old. I think Jeff Stone had the best concession speech of all time. Jeff Stone, former Republican legislature, southern Milwaukee County, Greenfield, Greendale, that area. Jeff I think, Stone getting a mention. How about I think, that? Didn't he run for county exec? Is that the race that's probably? Not, that, yes, I believe that's right. He also was big referring. on the voter ID stuff, I think, for yeah. a while there. I, I know Jeff, good guy, but <laughs> I, I wasn't at this, but the texture says, he basically said, we lost, let's go home, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, from the 262, apparently we used to live in Camelot, where politicians, outwardly at least, used to respect and work with each other. So sad that it's largely gone. Now, that's probably true. Inside, they probably didn't always get along, but outwardly, oh, oftentimes, sure. they'd at least show the, show the public respect. And there was that idea that, well, okay, this is what the voters wanted, so what they also want to see is that the process moves forward. And so I call, I say, congratulations, that's that, and... Again, maybe you don't say nice stuff, but at least leave it off the table. Here's one that, and I thought about this earlier. We kind of mentioned this uh, earlier in the program. This one from Gian. Uh, so during the campaign, candidates play dirty and twist facts to discredit their opponents. But then after, everyone's supposed to be nice and congratulate. See, that always bothers you. Yep. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, hey, we're buddies now, even though we were just stabbing each other. Dan is being honest and saying what he actually feels. This isn't a sports game where everyone shakes hands after. This decision has huge implications. And Dan shouldn't just have to concede on his beliefs. Let's go to the phones. 855-616-1620, Old National Bank, talk and text line. Uh, Mike is with us in Milwaukee this morning. Morning, Mike. Morning. Uh, I've got a few things to say. Number one, listening to him speak tells you exactly why he lost the election. You want somebody like that on the Supreme Court? Obviously, the people of Wisconsin said no. He made Trump look like a choir boy. That's how bad he was. Number two, you said, oh, you know, Janet's ads, she lied, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Whose ad got pulled last week because it was misleading and full of lies? That's true. It wasn't Janet's. It was his. He, he was terrible last night, and with that kind of an attitude and the way he treated her afterwards, I would never want that gentleman on any Supreme Court. He does not deserve it. And the majority of Wisconsin people said the same thing. So you think they were voting against him more than voting for, obviously abortion is a big thing that's been discussed a lot as a reason why Janet Protasiewicz would have been so popular? Abortion is a huge thing. Why do you think Robin Voss, for the first time in six years, said, oh, well, we can talk about abortion and make some changes. He knew what was coming. 
He knew Kelly was going to lose, so he wanted to do something ahead of that. So abortion was obviously number one, and it's also going to destroy the Republicans in the nationwide elections coming up because they have stirred up a hornet's nest. They've gone after the women. They've attacked them, and the women are speaking. The young girls, the college kids, they're speaking, and it's going to kill them, and they don't realize that. Mike, appreciate the call. Uh, and uh, actually, in terms of the new voter registrations, we that was one storyline in the primary, even, Eric, that how many people had newly registered to vote in Wisconsin. I told you my wife works the polls in Greendale, and I went to stopped and saw her yesterday just as things were starting to wrap up. 7.38 p.m., there's a young guy, probably his first election, because I, I overheard her say congratulations, like right. he had registered to vote for the first time. 7.38 p.m., this cat's in there registering to mm-hmm. vote. right. But he did decide that uh, that's what he wanted to do. But I think those those new voters, that young crowd that, that Mike was talking about, very well were a very large part of that push. And abortion was an issue that was driving them sure, to the polls. Sure. Uh, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line, mostly uh, saying that uh, former Justice Kelly was a sore loser. Most people on who who are responding, and I'm, he had a lot of supporters. 800-plus thousand people voted for him, but I'm, I'm looking for folks who want to defend him, and I haven't seen a lot. I did get just get this. Voted for Kelly. Don't disagree with him, but I wouldn't have vocalized it. We were pretty much all thinking it anyway. I also think Kelly is guilty of the same things, but I was interested in protecting innocent life, and I'm... on Wisconsin's Morning News. I know we're into heavy news today. We'll laugh a little bit towards the end of the hour, but a lot of stuff that we have to get through. And I do want to at least get on the record with what's going on with former President Donald Trump, the indictment, the 34 felony counts against him, and handicapping from legal experts as to how strong is the case against the former president. Now, what exactly is he charged with is... uh, a matter of something that a lot of folks just don't flat understand. So we'll get into that here a little bit. First, uh, let me hear you from the former president. And I never thought anything like this could happen in America. Speaking to supporters outside Mar-a-Lago, as he promised he would when he got back to Florida following his arraignment. Now, the former president did plead not guilty to all charges against him. As expected, characterized the race against him, uh, the case against him as political persecution What exactly is that case? Let me play you this from Morgan Norwood at ABC. Prosecutors allege Trump repeatedly and fraudulently falsified New York business records to conceal criminal conduct that hid damaging information from the voting public during the 2016 presidential election. According to the indictment, Trump orchestrated a scheme with his former lawyer Michael Cohen and former National Enquirer publisher David Pecker to pay hush money to at least three people, including porn actress Stormy Daniels. So depending on who you watch is probably how you're framing your idea of how strong the case is against the former president. I mean, I told you I was at the gym yesterday, so you've got all the screens, right? And if you turn on Fox, legal expert after legal expert came on there to say there's nothing here, there's nothing there. To even suggest that dismissal 
may perhaps happen that the that the judge at some point and they're not supposed to be back until December, but the judge right. could just dismiss the case. It'll at least be attempted by his lawyers. So that's on that side. You watch MSNBC; they had a whole bunch of lawyers come on there, and all the other folks saying like, right. well, "This is pretty serious. This is this," and it looked like a completely different case, as if it were a completely different set of evidence. I've said before, like, I just I just want to know. I'm not an attorney. I'm not sifting through this. You have legal experts on both sides, everybody with agendas. I don't know. I don't know what the case is. I do like Dan Abrams at ABC. I think he's pretty fair. I have no reason to – I don't find fault with what he does. He was the guy – one of the guys on the steps of the Supreme Court Capitol. Remember uh, when the ruling came down from the Supreme Court in the presidential election in 2000, right, where the election was still in question? Oh. I still remember Dan being one of those guys out there reading through. Wow, I'm good ju- memory. I'm just reading through. Like, he's got the paper. Yeah. I'm, I'm reading th- – he was literally reading it as it came down off of pieces of paper – to give us the the word about how that election would ultimately turn out. So here's Dan Abrams. He's uh, with ABC News now, and his thoughts on what's been presented. How strong is the case that he's brought? Factually, he has laid out a case about the various documents, the checks and the invoices that seem to have been fraudulent. Okay. But that doesn't address some of the very difficult legal questions that still have to be answered. Exactly what crime is he saying escalated this from a misdemeanor to a felony. So there are a number of different holes that people who are trying to find holes in the case have pointed out, that being one of them, that these are normally misdemeanors, and he's elevated them to felony charges. And what's your reasoning for that? What evidence do you have to suggest that that was the proper move? Also, the statute of limitations on various charges. Mm -hmm. Both would be up traditionally. So what's going to be his argument in terms of how can you bring this now since the statute of limitations on these misdemeanors is over? I want to know what's going to happen with the fact that the judge told him, hey, you know, I'm not going to put a gag order in place, but watch watch your tongue, please. You know, as far as inciting violence, yada, yada. And then here he, a couple hours later, he's blowing up the judge, blowing up the judge's wife. I have a Trump-hating judge. With a Trump-hating wife and family? So how's that going to go down? <laughs> yeah, I, now I didn't see, did the Manhattan DA, did Bragg ask for a gag order? I know he talked about it, and he mm-hmm. talked about things that had been said, that things that the former president posted on True Social. Sure. I don't know that he formally requested a gag order. Regardless, the judge did consider it, Juan Merchant, and decided, no, I'm, I'm not going to put a gag order on. And I agree with that decision, at least I did at the time. Yeah. I think that's a really high threshold you have to reach as a judge to say to someone, you're accused of this crime, but you don't get to go out there and talk about it. You don't get to go out there in the public space and defend yourself. I think in most cases, that's that's not right. But towing the line on the violence thing. But the judge did ask the former president and everyone involved in the case to refrain from making statements that are, quote, likely to incite violence. So basically that was, I'm not going to say you can't talk about it. I'm not going to say you can't defend yourself, but hey... Would you be careful, please? Yeah. Because everybody's watching this, and you know we don't want things to get out of hand. And as soon as he touched down at Mar-a-Lago, I have a Trump-hating judge <laughs> with a Trump-hating wife and family. God. So what happened? Like, if, I don't expect this to go to trial, and I'm not sure what I mean by that because obviously you either plead down and 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 agree to a deal, or it goes to trial, right? But I just no don't pleading ex- down. Right? I, That's not happening. Yeah, right? yeah, of course not. So I don't. I, I mean, this is not going to end up on court TV. 
<laughs> right? Like we're not going to see this on, on all the channels as they go through this case. I just can't imagine it getting to that point. Maybe it's because there's too many other cases still out there that are probably going to be brought up before this one even comes back around anyway. I just don't know. Like every t- every time you try to make a prediction of how things are going to turn out when it's you know involving the former president, either his actions or others around him, <laughs> it's like it's unpredictable. I, it is unprecedented. I took a picture of all the TVs here in the studio yesterday when it said uh, former president arrives at courthouse ahead of arraignment just because it was so surreal to see that on all these CGs. And if I would have shown you that picture four years ago, how would you have reacted to it? Mm, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> right? Not saying it should, not saying it should, just that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. That's a good point. And there wasn't anything to watch either for all of that. It was very visually poor story. Oh, my gosh. TVs were scr- there. All the networks were scrambling they trying to figure have, out how to how to show it. What couldn't to have do. cameras in the courtroom. So right. he's in the courtroom. You know he's in there, but they can just give you that one shot of the hallway with a couple of cops who showed up for work that day, and then all of a sudden they were on TV all over the world. <laughs> yeah, just standing Standing there. in front of the door. You know their phone was blowing up. <laughs> hey, Joey, you're on TV. Hey, scratch your temple quick. <laughs> you were asking him to do stuff. Yeah. Like, hey, when you look, when you get this, do something so I know it's you, so you <laughs> yeah, got it. So I know you read it. Somebody else said there were two of the cops who looked like brothers. There were two NYPD guys there. Probably <laughs> were. These two, right, right. That's not a stretch, I right? suppose, right? Look like brothers. It's funny, too. Like people, people laugh at the TV networks and, and everybody, but if you're going wall to wall, you got to put something on. And that's what they do. I've been in that room where everybody wants the unexciting shot of the door. In fact, I man, it was something with Mayor Norquist. Maybe it was the Figueroa stuff that was going down. And there were a series of news conferences at City Hall. And I'm in the room, right? And this is back when TMJ4 had the 4 o'clock news. Yeah. And I don't know if everybody else had a 4 o'clock news. But, you know, so we're, we're on the air, right? And... This news conference with Mayor Norquist was expected to be a big deal. So everybody's there. We're jammed in one of these small rooms at City Hall, right? And all it is is an empty podium. There's a podium there. All the cameras are lined up. They're waiting for the news conference to start. Well, we happen to be in a newscast. We were live. And so our camera was there. And at some point during the newscast, they took the the picture, you know, put the little graphic on the bottom, like waiting for mayor to make statements. Yeah, Yeah. soon, mayor coming to make statements, whatever. And I knew that they took that because they had said in my ear, you know, my little earpiece there, hey, don't stand in front of the camera. We're just going to take a shot of the room to set up the story. Okay, fine. So I stand out of the way and I was with my photographer and he gets that shot and they take the shot. And next thing I see all around me, phones are ringing. Phones are buzzing. Bing, 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 bing. Six, 12. I think 58 was even in there at the time. And I hear this conversation. Yes, no. Yeah, we're right here. Yeah, oh, we're right next to him. Yeah, I'm, yes, we're in that room. I have that. Everybody's calling. Do you have that shot of the empty podium? Do you have that shot? I'm going to need that shot. Right. It's, yeah, I'm it's here. exciting. Right. Do you have the empty podium? Like, yeah, I'm, we're right here. I thought about you yesterday. <laughs> oh, God. Because I saw all the, um, all the reporters all talking and stuff. When, when you are standing up there, and you are doing your live shot on TV and everyone is standing like, I don't think people always realize this. Like there's someone like three feet from you oh, doing yeah. the exact same thing. Another reporter from another TV station, like probably three feet, if not even closer than that. Right. Mm. 
Yeah, and I mean, if it's a big story and everybody's jammed in a tight space, we're right next to each other. They're talking to their so people, and I'm you, talking to mine. Can you hear? Can you, how do oh, you focus yeah. on that? Kind of hear them, and you, you know, you try to just lock in on on what you're doing and get inside your own head so you can deliver your stuff. Do you ever hear them report hard. on something better than what you had? And you're like, oh shoot, <laughs> wait, I don't have that. <laughs> no, actually, that's it. It, it happens. That's a sick feeling. Sometimes if they're out there in the big, the big get, the big interview, that all afternoon I was trying to get so-and-so trying to find Eric Bilstead because he was the big interview to get. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I didn't connect up with you. And next to you, you hear 12 over there or somebody else saying, and earlier today we <laughs> talked with it. Oh, no. Oh, I'm going to get it. 848 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight fifty-two on Wisconsin's morning news. You, you got that story about the guy with the iPhone? Yeah. So that people keep. Do you ever use this my Find My Phone app on the uh, iPhone? The Find My iPhone app. I haven't had to because I I've never lost it heretofore. Like somewhere, it's it's been around my house. Then sure. I just start yelling for Siri. <laughs> hey Siri, just wait for the. So I use it all the time, but I use it differently. I use it for like a life 360 type of thing. So like I can check and see where my kids are or if, oh, if, sure. okay. if Ange has left work yet, like instead of bugging yeah. her, like if I'm working on dinner, I'll look and see if she's still downtown or whatever. So I'll just use that because all of our phones are tied to that app to find my phone app. Okay. So what's the problem with our guy, Scott? So Scott Schuster from Richmond, Texas. Yeah. What's Scott's problem? Says he keeps getting all these visitors. Angry visitors banging on his door over the past couple of years, like not not even just like for the past week, but for years, people are showing up PO'd at his house. Why? Because they believe he stole their phones. Apparently, the Find My iPhone app keeps pinging to his address. So when they lose their phone, they look at it. Well, why is it at this dude's house? Well, I'm so going you over lose there. your phone, you tell, find my phone, and it shows up his address? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then they're going over there. So they're going over there? Hey, Mr. Schuster. And he says, like, he he's getting freaked out about sure. this. Because not everyone's happy, he says, when they show up. He's actually worried about, like, what these people might say to his friends or, I'm sorry, to his kids or his wife. There's plenty of irrational people in the world that... If they're angry, if they're drunk, if they, you know, have had a rough night and they lost their phone and thought it was stolen, um, that's my biggest concern. Someone coming to the house, um, you know, potentially with a weapon. Yeah, because they did not roll up on there to hear you say, like, no, dude, uh, there's this thing with Apple and it's really strange and I don't... Yeah. <laughs> no, they rolled up to hear you, to catch you. Right. And then some of them were like, hey, no, well, uh, fine, then I'm going to call the police. Like they're accusing him of stealing him and, and harboring the phone yes. <laughs> like because he would need some random dude's phone. Neighbors are making fun of him now saying that he's a guy that steals all the phones. <laughs> so he called Apple I Yeah, support. this easy fix, right? Apparently not. He's called them multiple times. And he has proof of this because a TV station in, in Texas did a story about it, ABC 13 to be exact. All right. Did a story about it, and he shared proof that he's reached out to Apple support many times for more than a year now. He's called them, he's messaged them, filed a formal report, which is listed as closed. Yeah, still, we took care of it. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, he's, he's never, we appreciate your business. It's never gotten resolved. I'm trying to figure out why that would even happen, though. Like, there's no actual theory that is produced in this story as to why his home just a strange would glitch, be a thing. beacon. Yeah. <laughs> Her iPhone, missing iPhones. It's got to be easy enough to fix. Get one of these beanbag sitters over there or ping pong players or whoever. 
Have them code up you got. Right, let's code it up and be done. Close <laughs> that ticket. Sitters. All they're doing is coding anyway. <laughs> no. It's an easy code They're up, not right? even doing that, clearly. They're, they're just sitting on the beanbags. Playing virtual ping pong, not ha- even real yeah, ping pong. Yeah, that's right. Having the snacks, getting the massage or whatever. That's going away. Getting a nice coffee. <laughs> get, one of those, get one of those beanbag sitters up in front of a PC, in front of your Mac here, and let's, let's recode this guy. Before Scott gets beat up. Right? Jeez. 8.56 on Wisconsin's Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. on Wisconsin's Morning News. About to hand it over to Steve Scafidi here in the 9 o'clock hour. I'm excited about the show today because there's a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm going to use the fat analogy. You know, some people are fat. I've been called fat in my lifetime. You go to your doctor and he says, you got to lose weight. You're fat. Republicans need to hear the, you're fat. you got to knock the crazy off. That's the lesson they got to learn. Stop nominating crazy people. Stop listening to Donald Trump. Stop listening to all this BS. We have so many great, decent, honest Conservatives and Republicans in the state, they're drowned out by nonsense. It's got to change. What do you make of that uh, Dan Canodal victory? He won, which Sur- was surprisingly close. But it was really close. He, he's, he's dipped his toe into the crazy waters. Now, I heard him last night. He said the right things. He used the C word, compromise, which not a heck of a lot of Republicans haven't been using. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. They, they have a supermajority. If they come out with impeachment talk... They're going to get spanked hard again in the next go-around. Trust me on that. Steve Scafidi is next with that and more on WTMJ.